Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I need From Fool Global Headquarters, this is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Chris Hill, and I'm joined by Motley Fool senior analysts Seth Jason, James Early, and Tim Hansen. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Chris. On today's show, we will wrap up 2010 by reviewing some of the major business stories, the companies in the news, and we'll look at how some of the big-name stocks did. We'll also talk tech companies and Silicon Valley with Forbes magazine editor Eric Savitz, plus, as always, a few stocks on our radar. But guys, we will begin this week with Time magazine. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg was named as Time's Person of the Year earlier this week. Last year, Ben Bernanke. This year, Mark Zuckerberg. Tim Hanson, I'll start with you. What did you think? Well, you know, it, it, it's a reasonable choice given given what the Person of the Year award is supposed to recognize, which is just someone that was influential and may have done something good and or bad, but on a large scale right. during the year. And Facebook is certainly on a large scale at this point. Um, I thought it was a reasonable choice. The only other candidate I could think of might have been uh, Jean-Claude Trichet, who's the ECB president over in Europe, who is trying to move heaven and earth to save the euro. But Mark Zuckerberg is a lot more fun. Not Jean-Claude Van Damme. No. <laughs> Although, you know, I would rather had his merits back yeah. in the day. Absolutely. James, what did you think? I think he's a jerk. Uh, I <laughs> wouldn't have given him person of the year. That's pretty much my just take. That's not a criteria, though, is it? Th- that's not a yeah, criteria. He's a jerk. I mean, that's yeah. just... He is a jerk. That's but, that's pretty well proven. But he's a very popular jerk. Well, at least journalists love to talk about him. So here's Time Magazine pretty much saying, hey... Here's the guy we talked about most during the year. This right. is this is kind of worse than a popularity co- contest. The, the thing about Facebook that's weird is it's I come from a, a place where where people open a lot of bars, even in failed locations. The next guy comes along and he thinks, yeah, if I put the name, you know, uh, Jose's on that bar, then then everybody will show up there. Well, Zuckerberg did what had already been done before a hundred times. He created this online community. He just sort of got lucky in that in that it became the place that everybody went to and sort of abandoned most of the others. I'm, I'm not sure that that makes you person of the year, but uh, Time Magazine thinks otherwise. Am I the only one here who's not on Facebook? I actually recently signed up to see if we could experiment with it for uh, corporate purposes. We were going to try to run our, you know how we do those global gains trips every once in mm-hmm. a while? We're going to try to post the pictures and notes and things on Facebook in the hopes of when people, if they enjoy it, they'll actually share it with somebody else. So we, we did sign up, um, and I gotta say, it's not it's not it's not awful. Um, you know, to Tim's point, uh, you know, being a jerk is is certainly not part of the criteria. I mean, again, past winners include Hitler, Stalin, <laughs> the Ayatollah Khomeini. Us, uh, we're, 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 we all two thousand six. Yeah. We every one oh, of really? us. We are, so we we are jerks. That's weak. <laughs> all wow. of us. I mean, you time, know. geez, I wonder why Time Magazine and the rest of journalism are just really on the edge financially. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost hard to look. I don't even know if time money for this. Right, just assume it's a haymaker. So, James, you you wouldn't pick Zuckerberg. Who would you? Pick? I would I would go actually with Bill Gates. Uh, you know, don't underestimate the power a few really rich elite people can have on, on the world. And and for his call for billionaires to give half their wealth to charity is something that frankly makes me more attracted to him in a in a platonic way. But I just <laughs> I, I like him. I think it's a good call. And well, that, well, just and, and see, Zuckerberg signed on to give some of his magic beans as part as well. of this. I I see, exactly, yeah. he doesn't have any cash. Here's some shares. Or I mean, what? What's he going to give, give up? Snoopy money or something? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's he's giving him a bunch of IOUs. All right, Seth, who would you pick? I went I went small. I just went with a with a CEO who has uh, 
in the first nine months of the year, increased his company's net sales uh, 30%, which is about the same as our friends at Netflix. Net income up 129%. The stock is up 160%. And for doing this, he, uh, well, at least last year, he got paid, and probably this year as well, the grand total of zero. He refuses all compensation because he's one of the founders of the companies or one of the early people. And this is uh, Costa Kartsotis, Fossil's CEO. And he's just done a great job with this business, but because uh, he's not popular and his name is hard to pronounce, I probably slaughtered it. Uh, <laughs> nobody's paying any attention to him or the stock, even those results are, are better than the majority of any of the other stocks out there. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. We're talking about some of the major business stories of 2010. Uh, guys, as we look back over the year, certainly uh, uh, at least a couple of the stories that stand out from the first half of the year, uh, the BP oil spill. Uh, early that this year? That, that seems that like was this so year. long ago. Uh, we also had the story earlier in the year where, where Google was hacked in China. Uh, and uh, if you believe the reports uh, coming out of WikiLeaks... Not by the Chinese government. It, it may have been from the Chinese government. No but truth to that rumor. Well, well, we'll see. But uh, um, when you think about the major business stories of the year, Tim Hanson, what stands out for you? Well, I thought one of the in the recent months has been the positive reporting about jobs and retail numbers. Uh, we've gotten all all a titter about these numbers going into the holiday season, and the fact is they're not very good still. I mean, yes, they're up year over year, but they're still you know in the john, so to speak. I think it's a totally overreported story and, and one that that's really not worth taking seriously right now. But it's getting a lot of play. James, I mean, uh, uh, on Tim's point, is is there a story that stands out to you as being that just got way too much coverage or or way too little coverage? I've got an underreported story. I mean, sometimes stories are underreported for a reason. Uh, this one's kind of boring. In 2009, the FASB, the, the accounting bureau, rolled back an accounting rule requiring mark to market. Why would you? Why would you think? Why would you think a story about accounting would be boring? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a <laughs> mystery to me, Chris. But in, it caused the banks in 2010 to do extend and pretend big time. In other words, uh, reduce the the minimum payments on these loans so that the borrower who could barely make them would still be considered in good standing. The banks didn't have to write these loans down. And this is actually huge financially because they're carrying all these values on their books at in, in inflated values. So the government doesn't have to bail them out when, when they might have needed one. And it allowed them to to report better earnings than they otherwise would have. Yeah. It allowed them to make their capital structure look, look better than it otherwise would have. It, it was, But America, we like to pretend in America. We like to pretend Oh, that's just not fine. America, Seth. Come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Seth, Jason, what about you? Oh, boy. Under, okay, I'm over-reported. Can we just get over Facebook and Twitter? Facebook, I think, at least, is, well, at least has a little it. bit of use. Uh, Twitter is so dead. I... I Oh, I just don't see. Let, here, let me throw another Please, one out. Please, I hope they IPO and crash so that we can stop talking. Three point seven billion reportedly was their recent uh, round of funding valuation. Twitter. This Three is Twitter's valuation as a private billion. company. Yeah, yes. Uh, keep in mind that that's money given to them by people who can afford to lose every penny. As we look back over 2010, is Toyota an overreported story? Because now we're, we're lately we're seeing reports that you know earlier in the year all of these recalls, all of these problems. Uh, about you know the 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 gas pedal or the brake sticking and and crashes. Now we're starting to see stories that maybe it was actually user error. Oh, I I always thought a large degree of it was probably user error because you know, the, the types alternative of people who drive a large degree. The the, the, the large degree. The, 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 the alternative the? makes a lot less sense. It's it was sort of an Occam's razor situation that the the most likely thing is that people are standing on the gas and that they don't realize it. Uh, but you know. Uh, 
The other thing about that is that, is that there are thousands and thousands of car recalls all the time, and the press rarely reports on them. And so what happened with Toyota is, yeah, they had a couple of big recalls. There were a few problems, perhaps, and unfortunately, some people were killed, hurt, and otherwise. But at that point, you know, if they recalled uh, you know, a Prius because the lighter didn't work. I don't even know if they have lighters, but it made news after. Prius that. owners don't smoke. So. Yeah, no, and no, so, <laughs> so you had you had the recency effect. You had you had people, you know, just a lot of screaming and hand wringing, and that just made it seem like a much bigger story than it was. There no Johnson and Johnson. I was going to say corporate recalls are generally overreported stories. I mean, and, and that creates buying opportunities for for investors because you know whether it's the the BP story, which you could argue may or may not impair that company for the long term or the Johnson & Johnson thing or the Tylenol thing many years ago. You know, usually these companies bounce back and doomsayers are just proven wrong. When you think about the year, was there anything in particular that surprised you? And that could be, you know, either for a company, a business leader, a stock. Um, uh, you know, Seth, we were talking about Twitter and the possibility of them IPOing. Um, you know, maybe that would be a surprise if the IPO. Well, I was surprised a couple of weeks ago when uh, those Groupon people told uh, Google to go pound sand because it seems like a uh, a business model that's fairly easily replicable. They've got a great name and they may have a first mover. I don't even know. If Six billion dollars of Google's money wasn't enough for Groupon. Yeah, I mean that seems to me like the case where you where you do the Costanza and you say thank you very much and you, <laughs> you take it and you walk out the door uh, and and then you've got that kind of money that lets you do whatever you want. James, what about you? You know, I was surprised that the iPad was not a flop. Uh, to me, it was like the, the car truck or the, you know, the, the El Camino of computing. It's neither neither a small little pad, a little a phone type thing, nor a laptop. It's kind of in between. But hey, to Apple's credit, it worked. But I was actually more surprised by one thing, Chris. That something we learned here that, that uh, Steve Broido's toes are fused together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that, that I've totally underreported. I totally cannot under deny it. It is true. And uh, you should see the guy swim. Yeah. I mean, does, does that help you when you're swimming? It's a very subtle thing. Most people would never know. It's just two of the little fellers are stuck together. Wow. It does not help me swim. It does so not help me with the ladies. Do you, do you so have any superpowers <laughs> of any kind? Are you, are you able to communicate with fish like Aquaman? Not at all. So those really trendy sneakers that some people that actually James you have a pair of those I trendy do, do. sneakers the, that are actually five fingers that are shaped like gloves for your feet. You unless we buy Steve some you scissors, sue them. he's sue not them yeah. for discrimination. Discrimination there you exactly. Go. Tim Hansen, what surprised you this year? I was totally surprised by the fact that as of the most recent report, the TARP. Remember the TARP. The TARP stands now to only cost U.S. taxpayers thirty billion dollars, which relative to its original price tag. What was the original price seven, tag? More than $700 billion. Yep. And, and now with AIG getting ready to pay money back, the GM IPO going through, this thing actually seems to have worked. And for a U.S. government <laughs> that has had many things not work in the recent past, this is a total surprise and, and a pleasant of, one. Of course, the cost of that is, is, is a bit bogus and BS, right? Because the government has pumped in a ton of other economic stimulus that, that had the effect Probably of of Help making themselves. Uh, yeah of making. What, are you an economist? I, yeah, no. I mean, you just <laughs> it's talk a about low surprise, <laughs> Seth. Come on. I don't know yeah, if it is. Break, it's you know? only a pleasant surprise <laughs> if you don't count if you don't count it's all the other stuff we've done. So you know, Tim. So you say it, co it didn't cost as much. Well, you you paid all this other money over here that didn't get accounted for. So that's why I'd be skeptical. Now we're getting into chaos theory. <laughs> No, it's just it's just simple off. it's just simple accounting. If you don't count all your costs, then then your your profits look a lot so better. So Tim Hansen, based on the return of the TARP money, do you think that Uncle Sam should start a hedge fund? 
he'd be doing probably better than seventy <laughs> percent of the managers out there. But that that doesn't mean he uh, he should start ahead. No, I think I think hopefully this will end up being a a uh, footnote in the annals of history, and that the government will never again have to intervene in such a magnitude way. Um, but again, I, you know, for I, I thought that money was all going to get lit on fire, regardless of the associated costs that might have yeah. been used to prop it up. So the fact that any of it came back at all, I think, is a, is an interesting story. And unfortunately, history shows that in another ten to forty years, we will have to do something very similar. Yeah. It's just the way it goes. It'll probably be the Chinese by then. The United States will be a, all, maybe potentially also be a footnote in the annals of yeah. history. A, a wholly owned subsidiary exactly. of the People's <laughs> Republic. <laughs> all right, coming up, one major bank's employees are about to start looking a whole lot more attractive. We'll explain why right after this. This is Motley Fool Money. If you do like I ask you, start me right on Christmas night. Try me, try me. Try me on that money. Just try me, honey. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. For investing commentary and analysis 24-7, go to the Motley Fool's website, fool.com. You can also drop us an email, radio at fool.com. Ask us questions about stocks, and by all means, let us know if any of your toes are fused together. Chris Hill here in the studio with Seth Jason, James Early, and Tim Hansen. All right, guys, let's go over a few of the the big stocks for 2010. Uh, These numbers are, as of this taping, uh, let's start with Chipotle, uh, a company that's certainly very popular with our members here at The Motley Fool. The stock's up more than 150% for the year. Um, When we think about Chipotle, uh, like, what is is the challenge for this company? Is it simply how do they manage growth? Well, you know, Challenges and opportunities often go hand in hand. And yep. for Chipotle, I think the answer to both at this point is where are they going to be able to expand next? I think they have two options. One is to take the Chipotle concept over overseas, which I think will be very, very difficult. And the other would be to grow this new Asian-themed restaurant concept here in the United States, which, I don't know, uh, this is anecdotal, but I, I feel like Mexican food in the United States is more popular than, than Asian food. So a lot of growth is priced into Chipotle and, and both avenues, whether they decide to choose one, the other, or both are, are, are going to be pretty difficult for the company, I think. James? Chris, the Chipotle opened down the street from me a couple of months ago, and it's the only one I've been in that's it's never crowded. So I, I think saturation in established markets might actually start to become a little bit of an issue like Starbucks, but I think the stealth growth thing for Chipotle could actually be Hispanic markets. I actually see lots and lots of Hispanic people there eating eating burritos, even though um, you know they could they could certainly go to other places. So so south of the border, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount their growth opportunity there. What about Baidu? This is the leading search engine in China. The stock's up 160 percent for the year. Uh, Tim Hansen, you're our global gains guy. What's the biggest challenge and opportunity for Baidu? Well, this is crazy for Baidu at this point. because, As we alluded to earlier in the show, uh, those WikiLeaks cables revealed that Baidu and the PRC government had actively sort of concocted a plan to sabotage Google in China. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly acted together in concert. Now, the reason Don't shoot us, anybody. <laughs> the reason this is crazy is because so Baidu's search engine is not very good from a technological standpoint. Google's yep. is better. And and Baidu bulls have long said that the reason why Baidu is succeeding in China with its 70-80% market share is because they know the local population better and because Chinese people are more likely to use a homegrown brand sure. than a formal. That, I mean, that's that that's is that bogus? That's are they just bogus. cheating? I mean, look at <laughs> Nike, Adidas. Western brands in China are hugely popular, um, and and so the reason I think Baidu has succeeded thus far is because 
basically the Chinese government has sabotaged Google's website and made it a lot slower. And in search, speed matters. So that's the challenge is as the Chinese government opens up a little bit, maybe Google comes back in. They've got some brand cachet. They're going to be a much more effective competitor. Um, in terms of the opportunity, it's obvious. You know, there are 400 million people online in China today, and that's only one third of the population. So you can triple the size of the market. James? No, I didn't have any substantial. It's more of a tangent. But did you guys see the matchmaking love profile of the WikiLeaks guy from a couple of years ago? It's <laughs> now on the internet. <laughs> I, like, how is that even a tangent? Like, okay, Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty tangential. Somebody <laughs> said WikiLeaks. Think about that. Yeah, WikiLeaks. <laughs> I don't want to know what it's James thinks of all day at his computer. <laughs> I'm going to put a screen cap video thing on James' computer just to see what he's looking at all day. Radio at fool.com. Yeah. Keep those emails coming. It's, it's not all accounting <laughs> rules. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, let's wrap up with Netflix. Uh, Certainly a stock that we've talked about in this room before. We never uh, talk about Netflix. Uh, we've only Seth, talked about it how many times today? Seth Jason, <laughs> stock's up more than 200% for the year. Hard to argue No with, luck involved. Hard to argue with that kind all, of success. All completely because of smart investing. Netflix, uh, they've, got, they've got a couple of challenges. One of them is that I think their costs, I've talked about this before, are going to go way up because right now a lot of their growth is coming from streaming video and the deals that got them their streaming video were sort of ridiculously cheap and now all of the, uh, all of the big studios, all the content providers are just not going to let Netflix get that content so cheap in the future. At the same time, they're coming up with their own solutions. Some of them are doing end runs around Netflix. They're producing their own apps. Uh, you can, you know, for TVs or for the Xbox, you can get ESPN on your Xbox. You don't need Netflix. Hulu might deliver something like that. So that is a huge challenge for Netflix. The, the biggest opportunity is just to continue to sign people up and uh, continue to use expanding bandwidth on the internet to deliver this video. Now, the, the problem is you need somebody else to pay to expand that bandwidth, and uh, Netflix is not in a position to make that happen. So. So you're not expecting us to be sitting here a year from now talking about how Netflix, once again, is up 200%? Oh, stocks can just keep going up for no reason, but I'm pretty sure there's a big day of reckoning coming for Netflix shareholders, and uh, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to that possibility. And finally, the Wall Street Journal reported this week that Swiss bank UBS AG is sending its Swiss retail banking staff a 43-page memo dispensing advice on how to impress customers with a better appearance. Do's and don'ts for men and women, including this gem from the article, and I'm quoting here, UBS's advice for men even extends to underwear, which should be of good quality and easily washable, but still remain undetectable. What? What is undetectable? Does does smell count? I I, I think it's orange. Just keep wearing it underneath your pants, not over (laughs) your pants. Oh, I draw the line there. I'm glad I don't work there. <laughs> Tim Hansen, any cheap detectable any, uh, <laughs> any 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 fashion advice? Any fashion tips that I learned in 2010? Sure. I, I did learn one important fashion nugget this year, which is that if you have a newborn, you should not, by any means, wear clothes that need to be dry cleaning. <laughs> don't our oh, our yeah. dry cleaning bill was high in October, November, First and that, we have now learned that lesson. It took you that long to learn? Well, we're Dude, slow nothing, learners, nothing. Seth. I mean, you, you should know that. <laughs> nothing but sweatpants when you've got a baby. Coming up, are Google's best days behind it? We'll talk all things Silicon Valley with Forbes magazine editor Eric Savitz. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. I'm Chris Hill. 
For more than 25 years, Eric Savitz has been writing about technology and investing. After writing for outlets like Smart Money Magazine and Barron's, he is now the San Francisco bureau chief for Forbes Magazine. And he joins me now. Eric, thanks for being here. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, let's start, because uh, San Francisco is Silicon Valley to, to investors, uh, and Silicon Valley was certainly in the news earlier this week with Time Magazine announcing their Person of the Year, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Uh, wow, well, you know, I think it was kind of a win for Silicon Valley, right? Uh, here you have a um, uh, 26-year-old Mark Zuckerberg who's already uh, had a year in which uh, uh, Oscar, potentially Oscar-winning movie was made about him and, uh, and Facebook, uh, and now there he is, Man of the Year. I, I think it's a, uh, a fair representation of the fact that uh, this kind of is a year when uh, the Valley kind of is on a comeback. Uh, you're seeing lots of interesting new startups, and a lot of them have to do with the web, and none have had more impact than, uh, than Facebook with its uh, 500 million users and uh, just huge amounts of time. Uh, that people are spending on that site. It's really changing the way people uh, use and look at the Internet. Uh, one of the rivalries that seems to have really uh, grown in the past year is f- the rivalry between Facebook and Google. Um, you know, there, there have been reports like, uh, uh, you know, Google is giving people bonuses if they, if they don't leave to go to Facebook, you know, th- that sort of thing. I mean, h- how much... How much of that is true, and and how real do you think that rivalry is? Well, I think it's actually pretty real. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, As as you're suggesting, uh, there is kind of a war for talent uh, right now in the Valley, particularly for talented software engineers. Um, and, and you did see, you know, Google, Google announced a 10% raise for everyone in the company from, uh, from the top on down. Um, and you are seeing people leave uh, for, for Facebook. And Google essentially has become, uh, ironically, kind of the, uh, uh, the incumbent. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the old man in the story here. Uh, they've had their uh, startup uh, to, to IPO extravaganza. They've got a huge market cap. And uh, it's now a big company. Now, the other thing, by the way, is that uh, Facebook and Google are competing in a whole other way, which is really for control of your time on the web. Facebook is becoming the place that some people kind of start their computing experience, whether it's uh, you know, the place that they get messages from their friends or the place they, see, you know, they post their pictures or watch videos or play games, all those kinds of things. And in some ways, it's sort of replacing... Uh, Google has had trouble in the social networking space trying to compete with them directly there, and certainly Facebook is really not a search engine. But when you think about what's at the heart of your experience on the web, uh, these two companies are very much in competition. Uh, One of the stories we talked about recently on the show, uh, speaking of Google, was uh, the story that was reported by Bloomberg that Groupon, the Daily Deal website, turned down an offer of $6 billion from Google. That's uh, stunning, isn't it? I, I, I was just going to ask you your reaction, but uh, it sounds like your reaction was very similar to mine. Well, yeah, you know, my reaction was, wow, you, you, sh- you better be sure. I mean, $6 billion for a Groupon. A uh, Groupon, of course, is sort of the uh, kind of a local buying, couponing kind of site, you know, deal of the day. They'll give you a discount on restaurants or other kind of local services. Uh, um, and it's been a f- spectacular success. Uh, you know, Groupon is uh, really c- 
caught the imagination of the, of the bargain hunters on the web. Um, but remember, there's you know there's nothing proprietary about what Groupon is doing. I mean, there are you know a hundred or more other services uh, that do the same thing. Now, uh, remember, uh, at the time that uh, Google uh, bought, say, for for example, YouTube, uh, they spent uh, you know a billion six, I think, was or a billion something in that vicinity to buy YouTube. And at the time, um, there were a whole host of online. Uh, uh, you know, web video sites and people sort of were saying the same thing that, you know, they must be insane. Um, but I think in this case, um, you know, while Groupon is a thriving young company, super uh, fast growing, I believe it was like the fastest company to hit a billion dollars in sales, um, there's really nothing proprietary about the model. And um, I don't know if I were Groupon, I'm not sure that I would have said no to Google $6 billion in cash. Um, we'll see over time whether it uh, turns out to be true, but there are lots of examples in the recent past of uh, companies uh, slightly exaggerating their own uh, uh, value and maybe regretting it later on. You're listening to Motley Full Money. We're talking with Eric Savitz, the San Francisco Bureau Chief for Forbes magazine. Eric, I want to switch gears to Netflix now. Uh, shares of Netflix have tripled this year. And despite that amazing run that the stock has had, we're starting to see some pessimism about the company's future, a uh, report in the New York Times that, that costs are, are likely to rise uh, next year, uh, in some cases drastically, depending on w- uh, which part of the company you're looking at. Um, what is the perception of Netflix in Silicon Valley? Well, you know, Netflix has been an amazing story uh, this year. Um, they, they have, as you mentioned, had a, a huge run, and it's, it's really all about their streaming video business. Right? Uh, there, there are two issues, I think, that people bring up with, with Netflix. One is that um, you know, there's the threat that someone else is going to get into the streaming video business and perhaps threaten their really strong position there. And it could be Amazon, or it could be Google, or... Um, or Apple. Um, uh, there are lots of potential people to do that, but nobody has so far um, is offering you know what what you can get from Netflix, which is basically unlimited streaming video over the web. Now, of course, for that to be a compelling service, you need content. You need something to stream. Yeah, you actually need all those movies. You actually need all the movies. You need all the content. And what what's happened is that Netflix has deliberately uh, over the last year or so uh, been adding content to its collection and. Uh, they have one of the uh, one of the issues that keeps coming up is they have a relationship with Stars, the video uh, uh, cable channel that has rights to movies from Disney and Sony, um, and uh, they have a very lucrative uh, contract with Stars. I think they paid about twenty five million dollars during that content, and that contract is uh, nearing completion. They will have to renew, and uh, the expectations are it's going to cost them a lot more. Uh, than it, than it, than they um, than they are currently paying. They're also uh, you know they also get a lot of content from other sources, but there has been pushback. Um, there was some pushback from Time Warner, who um, uh, I, I believe uh, said something along the lines of Netflix taking control of the movie industry, which is about as likely as you know like the Albanian army conquering uh, conquering the world. Um, but but there is uh, there's fear. Um, Netflix strikes fear into the hearts of the. Uh, content business in some ways, and then the fears that they are in some ways eroding the value of the content by streaming it, um, you know, as much as you can eat for free. Now, the, there, there's a, there are two sides to the cost equation, though, on this uh, streaming thing. So on the one side, uh, yes, you have um, content costs that are very real and are likely to go up over time. On the other hand, as you, uh, as you shift people from, uh, from DVDs, watching DVDs, 
uh, that they receive by mail and send back by mail. Um, and streaming, streaming is way cheaper. I mean, you can stream a you know, two-hour film for a few pennies. Um, if I mail it back, though, they've got to pay postage both directions. Um, they may have to maintain um, uh, you know, a whole network of uh, physical distribution points and pick people to work at them and sort through the, uh, the DVDs as they come and go from the distrib- distribution points. So there's some cost savings as well. Um, you know, th- th- there is this history with Netflix where uh, they just go through periods where all of a sudden people go, uh, this can't be as good as it seems. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. We're talking with Eric Savitz from Forbes magazine. All right, Eric, before we wrap up with Buy, Sell, or Hold, and as we wrap up 2010, give me one prediction for 2011 out of Silicon Valley. And, you know, it could be a tech company that's... that's uh, no longer, that's not on anyone's radar, that's, that's going to be next year, it could be a Facebook IPO, one prediction. Okay, so um, one thing I think will happen next year is, it, I think we're going to see the end of Yahoo as we currently know it. Um, Yahoo's situation can't be sustained. I, Carol Bartz will not be running Yahoo in, in, in you know, 12 months from now, barring some um, amazing, unforeseen something that I can't even think of. I think they're going to end up at least shedding major chunks of their assets. Um, it's possible that they get acquired. I just think Yahoo is in, in an untenable situation and it's going to look a lot different uh, a year from now than it is today. That's a big prediction. All right. Let's uh, wrap up. Think big. Let's wrap up with buy, sell, or hold. Uh, and we'll start with buy, sell, or hold the likelihood that Twitter will be acquired in the next year? Well, I think that's a tough call. I'd say it's a kind of a hold. You know, Forbes actually wrote a, uh, uh, one of my colleagues wrote a post this week uh, that pointed out that uh, uh, that Steve Ballmer was actually seen in the Valley um, having lunch uh, with the CEO of Twitter, um, which got the, you know, to talk about something to Twitter about. Um, <laughs> so I think it's possible that um, you know Microsoft or Google um, or you know who knows uh, even Facebook. Someone uh, will come in and try and make an offer for Twitter. I suspect Twitter will hold out um, and um, uh, you know try and establish its revenue model more. Uh, Aggressively before they even think about an exit strategy. So I think it's a possibility, but I wouldn't uh, bit big on it. You, you think Google will take that big check that they wrote to Groupon for $6 billion and just cross out Groupon's name and write Twitter in there? Yeah, I don't know if that would be enough to get to Twitter, but I, you know, it might be a down payment. Buy, sell, or hold the likelihood that Sirius XM will be a standalone company in five years? In five years? Well... I suspect in five years the ownership structure will be different for SiriusXM, and I think that's largely a, a reflection of the complicated uh, ownership position held by uh, by Liberty Media, which you know kind of saved their behinds by uh, financing them when they were kind of running out of money. Uh, there are uh, you know Liberty Media, uh, you know, controlled by John John Malone, the famous you know cable and cellular investor. Um, John Malone uh, is the most tax sensitive and tax uh, kind of focused investor you'll ever see. And there are reasons related to things like the applicability of, you know, tax laws carry forwards that Sirius is, is creating, things like that, that 
uh, affect the timing here, but I think in the in the long run uh, there will be a different ownership structure for Sirius XM, and I suspect someone will eventually buy it. Automakers are ramping up production of these. Buy, sell, or hold the future of electric cars. Well, I think that the future of electric cars is probably probably it's probably a hold. I mean, I I think that they, there is a future for electric cars, but I think we're beginning to see that there are uh, there are limitations on electric cars that not everyone's going to like very much. So I, I think you know things like uh, you know the ability to travel a long distances on a single charge um, really matters to people, and the need for long periods to recharge your uh, car. If you had a, sort of an instant, you know, instant recharge mechanism, pull into the Exxon charging station and um, juice up in you know five minutes. But that doesn't doesn't work that way. You know, it takes long periods to recharge these batteries. I think there's a. I still think it's a bit of a niche market, and um, I think people are going to be more partial, um, uh, you know, to hybrids still than, uh, than electric cars, at least for the near term. And finally, she was not Time Magazine's Person of the Year, but she was on their list of people who mattered in 2010. Buy, sell, or hold, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga, wow. Um, I think he buys Lady Gaga. I, I think she's a long-term play. She's, uh, she's you know, Madonna reincarnated. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, we both have kids. Come on, you got to buy Lady Gaga. I think you got to, yeah, she's all, you know, she's on the radio all the time. you got to buy her. I think she's a smart lady. Eric Savitz is the San Francisco Bureau Chief for Forbes magazine. If you're interested in tech companies and tech stocks, you got to get on the Forbes website and follow the stuff that Eric is writing about every day. Eric, thanks so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Coming up, we'll give you an inside look at the stocks on our radar. This is Motley Fool Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill, and back in the studio with me are trio of senior analysts, Seth Jason, James Early, and Tim Hansen. Guys, it's that time once again. It's our last time of the year for Stocks on Our Radar. Tim Hansen, we will start with you. If people have been paying attention recently, they may have seen a, a, a spate of recent IPOs from China, many of which are dot-coms. And as you might guess about a Chinese dot-com... Are they as good as the other ones? Oh, boy, they're better. <laughs> and the valuations are higher than ever before. So if, if I could get a, a present from Santa this year, it would be a, a liquid and active options chain on a little website called yoku.com, which is apparently the YouTube of China. I'm going to do that right now. Here, uh, it has... It is ticker is Y-O-K-U. Last year, it did over the trailing twelve-month period, it did thirty-two million in revenue, uh-huh. and was negative, lost money on the gross profit line, lost money on the gross profit line. Does anybody want to guess its valuation? A billion. Two billion. Four. Four billion dollars. Wow. <laughs> oh wow! Well, look at it. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you all out there can't see it, but really, truly, it's stunning. It. It looks like YouTube, but with Chinese characters. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, it's, logo. and it's fully censored, the so logo. there is no sort of fun, inappropriate video on it. So. Yoku.com, uh, short it, buy puts, <laughs> don't buy it, do anything but buy it, but that's the stock on my radar for maybe all the wrong reasons. Let's uh, let's bring in our man Steve Broida from behind the glass. Uh, Steve, uh, a question for Tim Hansen? Uh, sure. I, I guess my question is, is investing in IPOs a bad idea if your investment turns out to be insanely profitable? Uh, you know, we often talk around here about how investing in IPOs is not, you're, not, you're generally not in a, in a very favorable position, but it seems like most of the IPOs I've heard of 
people make a tremendous amount of money. I've heard of. Yes, there's yeah. the rub. <laughs> Seth, Seth hit on that. So the successful ones, obviously, people talk about a lot, but most IPOs go on to be quite unsuccessful. Um, investing in a Chinese IPO in particular is a little bit risky because they have almost no operating track record and, and, and like Yoku, have very little in revenue despite a lofty valuation. So I, I, I'd steer clear of this one. James Erling, stock on your radar? Yeah, Chris, I kind of wish I had a crystal ball right now to, to look uh, deeper into Philippine long-distance telecom. This is a double wreck and income investor. It's something I own personally. It's, it's done pretty well, but other companies now are starting to enter the marketplace, got new competitors. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering when the penetration, uh, uh, I guess, growth is going to die out. This has been an underpenetrated market, all wireless. It's, it's a good company. I just don't know, uh, you know how much more growth is left and, and, and how the valuation plays into it. But it's definitely on my radar. And what's the ticker? PHI, Chris. Steve, a question for James? Sure. What does the telecom industry look like, let's say, 20 years from now? That's paint, paint a picture for me. That's a very difficult question. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, obviously we're going to see see sort of a blend of, of, of you know, like Comcast or, or Verizon, you know, with, with fiber optics, with computers, with, with that. Um, it, international might be different from, from domestic. You have places like Philippines or Indonesia where there's never going to be any need to, to, to lay wireless for telecom alone, um, you know, probably not even for for – uh, for for computing for broadband, so uh, I don't know. I guess is the honest answer to that question. You know but it's, it's a utility. It's it's a, people yeah. think it's a growth stock. It's telecom is a utility business, and that's fundamentally the essence. It's not a fast growth business over time. Well, I was going to say phones are going to be a lot cheaper in twenty years, and f- using phones is going to be a lot cheaper. And the hope with a telecom would be that they can make it up on volume, which makes sense in play- markets like the Philippines, but which is why telecom in the U.S. I think is a more dodgy proposition. You know what, and James, you're right. That was a tough question from Steve. So, you know, if you want to ask Steve something, you go right ahead. You know, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, boy. Chris, I read that a Maine man has auctioned off his back uh, t- to be tattooed uh, by some advertiser. I forgot what company. Maybe it's like 25000 bucks. So I'm so proud of my home state right <laughs> my, now. My question for Steve is, how much would an advertiser have to pay? I mean, presumably you do it for like $10 million, right? You, you'd auction off your back. Yes, I would. What would be your lowest price <laughs> to, to do would that? Would you do it for five? Five million, absolutely. Hundred thousand? Uh, maybe. Uh, how much? Whoa, a hundred thousand dollars? I got news for you guys. I'm married. My back is not exactly in <laughs> high, high demand by any. <laughs> <laughs> the market will decide. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Seth, Jason, a stock on your radar. Wow. Well, Tim's already grinched it up over there, but I'm going to have to do it again. Tesla Motors, T, ticker T. I was going to say, what we were talking about, IPOs. Didn't Tesla IPO earlier this year? on. I mean, oh, the guy who started PayPal runs it. Therefore, it's a different kind of car company, and they're making this electric sports car, and people want it, and now they're going to be a big hit with this very, very expensive electric sedan. Come on, everybody, please. First of all, the car business has always had lots and lots of players. The vast majority of them have gone out of business or have been swallowed up. Uh, the ones that are left have lost investors a lot of money over time. And uh, the guys at Tesla, I, I just think they've got an R&D deficit. Uh, they're right now kind of working from a base of ultra-cheap capital because of some government support and everything else. And I just think in the end, competition kills them as you know, it may kill you know, some of the some of the biggies. All right, Seth Jason, James Early, Tim Hanson. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Thanks. thanks to our special guest this week, Eric Savitz from Forbes magazine. Our engineers are Steve Roido and Gail Anya Nuevo. Our producer is Mac Greer. I'm Chris Hill. On behalf of everyone at The Motley Fool, have a safe and happy holiday season. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.